Hello and welcome to the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, analysis, all passion, all derby. Some decisions are black and white. Let's get stuck in. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Rams Review Podcast with me and Mr. Corey Hancock. Corey, how are we? Jason, I'm well. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, and today, the famous saying, can you do it on a cold, wet and windy night on Tuesday in Stoke? Well, this is a very cold, wet and not so windy Wednesday night <laughs> with Chris from the Wizards of Drivel podcast to talk about Stoke. Chris, how are we? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm a, as we just discussed before uh, pressing record, also feeling a little bit cold, but then such is the weather here in the United Kingdom. I'm yes. all right. Yeah, yeah. Good. Good. It was, it was nice to get. I always try and get a little catchphrase in every podcast, and then <laughs> I, I managed to get the, the usual, the, 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 Stoke, the Stoke one in there. So that, that was and, good. And today we're, uh, we're pondering the potters. Yes, that's it these funny little taglines we've decided to start to be fair we we started doing them a couple of weeks ago chris just to try anything that would help darby <laughs> get a result and so, so far um we're unbeaten since we've been doing them so we've got to keep going well we're that's got to be it then there you go you've got to keep it going forever i know i'm obviously I, I have not that anybody will really ever see this but i have cut the hair which might be a bit of a bad omen you know i had longer hair when we won so who knows but We'll see. We'll see. We, we are absolutely desperately trying anything at the moment as Derby fans. But uh, anyway, it's great. To, it's great to have you here, Chris. Uh, and it's great to uh, be able to talk about a club that's obviously not too far away. The A50 Derby, as, as some might call it. Um, but uh, just looking, looking at the uh, results, obviously, for, for Stoke, um, I'm going to go back, obviously, a couple of years first to obviously got to got to kind of get a a thought on the last couple of years, which from from the way I look at it, must must be a, obviously a disappointing time from Stoke being, for, from Stoke's point of view, being relegated and then too, I think mediocre at best is probably the fairest way to describe it, seasons in, in the championship. But under... Uh, under the new under the manager, I can't remember his name off the top Michael of my head. I want to say Michael O'Neill. I wanted to say Martin O'Neill, and I always get a name wrong. <laughs> always get a name wrong in a podcast. Michael O'Neill. Obviously, things have started to take a turn. I know that obviously, if you if you were to look at the stats from the back end of last season, I know Stoke was was doing pretty well, and obviously so far, three points is it off off top, sat in about fifth place. So I don't Ooh. think you can really call it a bad. It's no, not a bad not a bad start. Even though obviously the result last night wasn't. Um, wasn't probably what you was wanting. No, no. I mean, yeah. The less said about uh, last night's game, game the better. It's it's interesting. In in if you take us in uh, comparison to how we were over the last two years, um, the team that Michael O'Neill has got now is by far like the the best iteration of those last few years. We've. Um, I'll go, I'll go back to the beginning. So, um, yeah, relegated from the Premier League after 10, 10 years in there. Um, and in, in all honesty, it was, I'm going to say, not a long time coming, but the season before under Mark Hughes, it was kind of in a, a case of a, a few people could see the writing on the wall. The team was 
kind of fallen apart. We lost a few big name players and there was kind of like a weird atmosphere around it. Forward to the relegation season and it was just, <laughs> we were horrible. It was absolutely horrible. Uh, Mark Hughes, when um, we went for several different people, I believe they went and they tried to chat up Gary Rowett at that time when he was still your manager. Um, Gary Rowett famously said, no, no, no. Uh, we ended up with Paul Lambert and that was hilarious uh so we got yeah got relegated we've had a typical post-relegation premier league club thing where huge turnover in names lots of players on big wages who it's like if we're we're gonna have to get rid of these because we it's just unsustainable and that's kind of where we were i think when we came down when then we got gary rower uh it was a case of, I think, the entire club underestimated just what a challenge the championship would be. And I think from a fan point of view, we probably did as well. Um, and, yeah, it was it was just... The same problems were still there. Even with a turnover in players, we were just very disjointed. We were putting in performances where um, there was type of cal- uh, calamity of... of performances where when one goal goes in then another then another then another and it would just collapse and all come crashing down and that was kind of us for the last two years and Nathan Jones when he came in after Gary Rowett got the the boot same again there was renewed positivity but just nothing was clicking and I think that's the difference here with uh, Michael O'Neill is he seems to have come in and restored a level of pragmatism but not pragmatism in the Tony Pulis, let's just be very pragmatic and defensive type of way. It's very much a case of the the team have had a bit of confidence restored. There's been a, there's been a renewed focus on making sure we defend well, but there's also been a, a an interesting focus on shifting a, away from some of the older players, some of the players who were with us in the Premier League, some of the high earners, and we've brought in especially this season, we've got a really young squad. We've got a load of young players who have who've either come through the, the academy or who have been picked up uh, from a young age who are, who are now just making their, I don't know, first impacts in the team. And to be fair, as you say, we're in fifth place, although last night <laughs> did go, didn't go too well against Cardiff. We've we, we certainly seen better results. And the interesting thing is that I wouldn't say that we're playing well either. Like you watch the games and it's definitely a case of, you know, when you feel like your team has another gear to go to, they're still not quite gelling. It it feels like that at this stage. Um, I wouldn't worry because I don't think we're going to click and suddenly gel against Derby. But um, yeah, it certainly feels like there's more that this, there's another level this team can go to. I don't know when they'll hit that, but yeah, that's, I don't know a brief summation of the last few years. No, I mean, and let, let, let's put it in, you know, as fair as we can. I mean, if, if you're saying the team's got another gear and if it obviously finds it on, on current form, then it could be quite a positive season for, for Stoke. Um, obviously, after after two years, not so much. Um, before we kind of focus, or before I focus, should I say, on more of, of the main day um, football at Stoke, obviously with, with relegation and, you know, as you mentioned there, some of the bigger earners, bigger players, I just wanted to ask a question, you know, there has been some 
very interesting names at Stoke City over <laughs> the last, you know, over that 10 year period. Um, what, what was it like to obviously be, obviously kind of, we got going back 12 months ago, obviously <laughs> when Rooney come in for us and mm. it was like, uh, interesting. Uh, but obviously, you know, like the likes of Bojan and, uh, you know, and others like that. What, what was it like watching, watching those players week in, week out at Stoke? It's, it's funny. And again, I don't want to say that we kind of took it for granted, but it's only really in reflection looking back now. And maybe it's a case of rose tinted specs and nostalgia and all that stuff that you get. But it's only when you look back and you don't have that, um, that you realize how privileged we were to have, to, to, to have some of those players. I mean, I mean, we've had some, we've had some massive names. I still remember, oh gosh, going back, what, it'll be a, nine years now the transfer deadline day when where Peter Crouch rocked up at the uh, at the training ground and it, that that to us it was huge this is Peter Crouch he was coming from Tottenham he's he's an England player it was massive and and Mignani is massive um and it was one of those where you throughout the years we had so many names that were surprising for a for a club like us cuz i mean Stoke are not fashionable we're not exactly like the you do not associate glitz and glamour essentially with with the with Stoke on Trent. But but yeah, Peter Crouch, the likes of Jerda Shakiri, that was another one who like from nowhere, he this player who everyone had heard because he was um the next big thing, rocks up at rocks up at our place. Uh Bojan again, another one. It was it was really, really good. And and for for a good few years we were, and I will say this under Mark Hughes, like he gets a lot of, um, he gets a lot of been slagged off because of how everything ended. But the few seasons under him where we were consecutively finishing in the top half of the table, we were a good side. We were a good side. And the, and I think the disappointment looking back is that there was so much potential for us to try and kick on, but it, it just never really really materialized um there was a point in our history actually where we got under mark hughes we got to the semi-final of the league cup and mark hughes had always put this emphasis on i want to win a trophy i want to win a trophy with stoke and we got to the semi-final and we were against liverpool and we lost the first leg at home and then we won the away leg at anfield through a very dubious offside goal um, but it went to went to penalties and we got knocked out on penalties. And from that moment on, it seemed like just the uh, the, the 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 desire from Mark Hughes and the desire from the team kind of just dissipated a little bit. Which is I don't know, maybe I'm I'm being over dramatic about it, but it was one of those where this t- it was a team that for a few years captured our imagination. And that's not even to mention the previous spell under Pulis where we got to an FA Cup final we went into the Europa League we had we had loads of cherished memories and and to be fair I I wouldn't trade those memories in exchange for like just mediocrity and staying in the Premier League if it meant having those memories but now we're in the championship for I don't know a a generation or so I would I, I would be happy with that deal because they were they were treasured absolutely treasured yeah, no, absolutely. I, I can't argue. I, and I was going to say the same thing, you know, any, any team that can that can meet semi-finals and finals of trophies and, and get to Europe and, you know, they they have to be a side that 
you know they were pretty decent and like you say you got you got the uh, you got the 10 years out of it the the phrase that i used at the beginning of the podcast was coined at stoke because every time you played arsenal and and teams like that you know they, they just they just couldn't cope it cope at the back then britannia um obviously bet, bet is it still the is it called the bet 365 now or has it changed again no no it's still the uh, gloriously named bet 365 stadium yeah, but I mean, it must have been, uh, you know, certainly a few more years than Derby managed on their on their <laughs> on their voyage up there a few years ago. So, but up to the present day, um, you know, as we mentioned, they're fifth in the league, probably not quite firing on all cylinders yet. Um, who's been who's been the standouts so far beginning of this beginning of this season, Chris? Oh well, <clears throat> I think. The first, the first name that comes to mind is the uh, young striker we've got, uh, Tyrese Campbell, uh, son of Kevin Campbell, the Arsenal, uh, former Arsenal player. Uh, he's he's been at, he's been with us for a while. I think we got him at a very very young age from like Man City's academy, uh, and it's been a case of he he started to break through in last season, and this season he's been kind of first choice, and he's. Um, well, with a lot of these young players, they've offered us a sort of speed and, and quickness and renewed energy that some of the older players definitely haven't. Uh, but but I think Therese Campbell is is showing himself to be one of these players who has... He's just one of those players who you just feel is on for bigger things. Like, I do question how long he will be with us. Um, but he, he's, been, he's been a shining light. Um Almost actually on the flip side of that, uh, we brought in Stephen Fletcher from Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, he's, what, 33 or something now? Um, and he was on a free. And I'll happily eat humble pie on that one because I was like, oh, gosh, why are we buying in another aged striker? But again, to be fair, the, the he, he's linked up play a lot better than any of our other strikers who we've had in the last few years. He's... He's showing himself to be a real good focal point. Um, and certainly when he's not played, we've, we've missed him, as last night showed. Um, so, so, yeah, kind of the opposites of age there, showing good things. But there's been a few, there's been a few good players. We've had uh, young players coming to the defence who've really, really shone. Um, interestingly now, uh, we're, we're actually in a bit of an injury crisis at the moment. Like, we are really down to the bare bones uh, to the point where um adam davis who was our first choice goalkeeper got injured uh angus gunn who we brought in on loan then played two games got injured uh, so we've recalled a youth player from doncaster called joe bursich who's um who's been playing in goal for the last few games and he's even done a decent decent enough job it's actually quite funny as well because because we were down to him we then brought in uh a reserve keeper from, I don't know, we got him from Birmingham on like a one-month deal, and within the week, he was injured. So we're actually now, we brought in um, Andy Lonergan, for, who was at Liverpool last season, on a month deal. We are like down to threads here. Um, but there's been, there's been a, despite everything, there have been some really standout players who just seem to be consistently in the team and doing well. Corey? Yeah, one of those players, uh, Blast from the past, one of the sexy names, I guess, of global football that you would associate with the glitz and glamour of Stoke on Trent, John Obi Mikel. Um, <laughs> kind of came out of left field because he, he left English football maybe what five, maybe 10 years ago, disappeared for a while, and he pops up at Stoke. 
<laughs> How's John Edwin McKell doing? Is he is he bossing the championship? He's. I'm going to be careful with how I word this because he has been the source of much Stoke fans falling out on Twitter, and so I don't want to be one of those ones. He's he has been okay, is what I will say. He's had some games where he's been like you. I mean, you can see you can see the the intelligence of him as a midfielder. You can see. Um, everything that he, he's trying to do. I don't know if it's a case of he's, I mean, he's the, the wrong side of 30 for a football player. He's had games where he's been ran around a little bit, but he's had other games where you're like, okay, now I, I see why we've, I see why we've, we've gone in for him. I'm, I'm fine with him. I'm happy. He's, he's been, a, he's been a, he's been good. That's, but that's as far as I will probably go. I don't think he's been world beating or anything just as of yet. You can tell, Chris, because the big sigh at the beginning is always a sign of this player's class. Um, you know, we always associate Stoke with um, tough defensive, route one football, you know, Ryan Shawcross, leg-breaking tackles and stuff like that. Really bad place to go and everything like that. Um, under Michael O'Neill, has, has that kind of perception of Stoke gone away? What kind of style can we expect from Michael O'Neill on, on Saturday? We, we're certainly no, we're certainly not the Stoke of old where we where we were that brutal team that that is is famous and and the team defines the modern day Stoke. We're certainly not that anymore. Um, but neither are we a like free flowing pretty football side. We're something in between. Um, as I say, Neil is focused a lot on defence. Uh, he's he's pragmatic and he wants to get the results more than anything. Um, I don't think we're, at least I don't think we're particularly massively aggressive. I do think we have a few players who are just, in polite terms, arses. We'll we'll, we'll run through a brick wall for for your team. Like you 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 admire um, determination on your side, but again, can wind other opposition players up. One of the things that, um, you know, obviously we have to mention is the amount of links that there is between the two clubs. And there has been up, up and down, certainly from what I can remember. Obviously, we've got the likes of Danny Higginbottom, Rory Dilap, obviously uh, Tom Ince. We've got, obviously, Gary Rowett. You know, I'm sure there's some there that I've missed. But there has been that swapping of, of, of players and, you know, and what have you and moved on. Obviously, um, a lot of Stoke's success um, was with obviously Higginbottom and, and Dilap mm. in the side. I mean, what a bullet of a bloody throwing that guy had! I, I must admit, you know. Uh, but that obviously that that did epitomise and that did almost make Stoke famous in the way that mm. in the way that they played. But obviously more more now. So Tom Ince, obviously, um, is has he done for Stoke what he kind? Um, I think I know the answer. What's coming yeah. here? Chris. <laughs> uh, did did he do? Has he done for Stoke what he has done at most other Championship clubs that he's been at in his career? If by that you mean he's had a few games where he's really been good and then a few, um, the vast majority have been inconsistent, then yeah. I mean, he's not, he's certainly not um, anyone's first choice. He will probably play on the weekend just because of the level of injuries we're at. But this season, particularly, he has not been the first name on the team sheet. He's definitely made more sub appearances than he has starts. Um, yeah, it's just one of those where he's just, I don't know, he's hes not been overly consistent. And um, he's, cer- he's certainly, 
and, and you all know this, he certainly has moments in him where you see yeah. the absolute ability of the player that was once linked with, what was it, AC Milan? Yeah. But, um, but I, I, yeah, I think, I think more Stoke fans would probably count him as one of the, those high earners that we brought in to try and get pro- instantly promoted, who we could probably move, try and move on now, uh, rather than a player that, oh yeah, we need to be building a team around him. Didn't didn't he turn down Milan to go to Hull? <laughs> I think he did. He was like, ah, I don't really want to go. I don't really want to go to Milan. I, I'd prefer to play at Hull. And um, do you know what? Having having been to Hull, I can completely understand why he wouldn't want to go <laughs> to Milan. They have they have the deep aquarium, don't they? Yeah, they got the yeah. big bridge. Um, they've they've also got here's here's a bit of uh, nostalgia from Hull for you. They've got the world's smallest window. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly google it i i have That's got some strange awesome. knowledge, i have got is some that, strange knowledge like that is that similar jason to the famous ilkeston hole in the wall at the nat west bank it's very very similar but yes uh, <laughs> very very similar but I, I do think it's it's either an actual window or a stained glass window it's the world's smallest one and it's in hull somewhere yeah. apparently but hey ho I'm, I'm adding that to my next vacation must i don't blame you i do not blame you one other question i want to ask you chris before we pass mm. i pass over for for a thought from Corey. um one player that I particularly was quite a fan of at, at Stoke because we had him at Derby was uh, Jack Butland, and of course, I, I think most fans would have said for the last two or three years, "Why on earth didn't he leave Stoke? And why why was he not in the Premier League?" Is this something that you can tell us that shines a light on that mystery as to? Was it just loyalty? You know, was it his injury record? Because we know that was never his strongest part. Uh, he was, but certainly when we had him in the championship, you know, he was he was a class above. I, I think it's a mixture of I think that as a club we held out for a for a price that we probably weren't going to get for him. And when you look at like the context of how how much other keepers were going for and Jack Butland's reputation, I can understand fully well why I think they like wanted it was something like twenty five million pounds for him, and West Ham came in and offered like twenty, and so we'd said no around the time we were getting relegated. Um, and then, so so I think it was yeah a mixture of the price was too high, but then as well he 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 had a horrible last two seasons for us, like real devoid of confidence, broken down type of performances. Blair. Like it was, it was evident that, and it was evident to all of us that he was a player who for his own good needed to have moved on because whilst he was with us, he, his head was just not like properly in the game. I don't know. Obviously I don't know the ins and outs of why that was, whether it was a case of he'd expected a move, it didn't materialize and, then things had just gone wrong. The, I mean, his his reputation took a beating to the point where now he's backup keeper at Palace, and we sold him for like a million pounds or something small like that. Wow. Um, it, it was it was certainly a player who, in hindsight, for his own good, we should have let him go, mm. definitely, and actually probably for our for our own good as well because his shattered confidence led to many a performance where. We just we lost by some awful goalkeeping mistake. Um, yeah, it was it, I, I, no no ill feeling to to him at all. He served us for he was with us for many years and he did some really spectacular stuff. Um, but just one of those players who you 
who, who missed the who missed the boat, I guess, and probably should have gone. Oh, and you know, he, he was touted as a future England number one, and I, obviously, I know at the time, certainly when we had him, he was coming back from quite a bad injury, and you know, instantly you saw the difference that that he brought, and I know certainly every time, any time, certainly when Derby have come up against him, he, he's, he's, he's one of those keepers that is just too good for the, for the championship. He, he makes saves that you wouldn't expect championship goalkeepers. I mean, no disrespects <laughs> to them, but you know, the, he makes them kind of saves. He is that, mm. that experience. You can tell he's a, he's a level above, but obviously like you've just said there for, for whatever reason, he, uh, you know, it just didn't materialize for him. Mm. Um, Corey, before we go to a score prediction, have you got anything else for Chris? Yeah, two things, Chris. First of all, one off-field question, one on-field question. <laughs> off-field, um, obviously Stokes come down. They're now a championship team. Parachute payments have run out. There's not bad fans in the stadiums now for, what, eight months? Mm. What's what's the financial situation looking like at Stoke? Um, we're so, I mean, we're certainly not in a, in a, in a bad position. Um, we're lucky in that our owners have a very successful, like, business model that backs them up. We're we, we we do have a big budget and i think part of the last few years has been trying to re rebalance that the players we've brought in are certainly on much smaller wages and have been for much smaller fees especially in the last 12 months than uh than previous uh michael o'neill has his his transfer kitty has been far more austere than the likes of nathan jones or gary rowett got um but we, we're we're okay we, we're not we're not uh, we're not in a position where there's rumblings of financial worry um, as of yet. Obviously, we everyone wants to get back to a situation where there's fans coming back into the stadiums and stuff. But um, I think we're we're okay at the point. We're not. No one's worrying about Stoke going under just yet. But then we're the lucky ones who are owned by essentially a billionaire. So we're we're, we're privileged in that res- in that respect. There are lots of other clubs who are not as lucky as us in that re- yeah yeah because it's really interesting obviously derby fly fly real close to the financial fair play wins and just without fans being there and stuff like that like it impacts the financial book mm-hmm. so it's just interesting to hear that you know stokes kind of a lot of teams come down from the premier league and, and then struggle financially yeah. you know villa was one of those teams that if they didn't get up the year that they did they'd have been a massive fire sale um but turning the turning the attention to the game on saturday where's the game won and lost from a stoke perspective Oh gosh. Um, so I think where where we can where we can have a downfall is that we are so, as I say, such an injury crisis that the team itself is kind of makeshift. Um, and so we we have some real quality within the first team, but once you get down to the some of the backup players, you can see the real dis- difference in quality. Um, and certainly. <laughs> there are two Stokes that exist. There are the Stoke that is strong and solid, but then every now and again, you have the team who just throw it away and, and, and are the masters of their own downfall. Um, I think it all depends on what Stoke, Stoke you're going to get. Um, it all... If we're to, if we're to lose... It'll be through some uh, calamitous defensive mistake where it's just players who have not played together, miscommunications, that type of thing. Uh, as I say, 20-year-old in, in goal, young people in defence, mixed match of defenders now. It'll be somewhere around there. It'll be a miscommunication um, where we could go wrong. Uh, where we could... The threats, I guess, that we, we pose. Um, let me just think who could be in the, in the lineup. 
Um, again, the likes of Nick Powell, depending on what, what Nick Powell's turned up. Uh, he is a player who can turn a game on its own. Um, there will be no Tyrese Campbell because he's, he's out. Um, so you don't need to worry about, about him. But the likes of Stephen Fletcher, again, he's one of those players who he, he may not play just out. He, Michael O'Neill has said in the press conference that, um, or at least in the post-match yesterday, that he's hopeful that he'll be back, but it's not 100%. But if he does play, he's a player who, he's, he's big, he'll bound his way around, he's a threat in the box, that type of thing. Um, uh, yeah, I don't really know what... We, we're not exactly a team who it's like, you need to look out for us doing this, because we're just pragmatic, and we will base it on what, I guess, Derby will approach us like. So... Score prediction time. Uh, I, I'll go first. I'll go first uh, for a change. I don't normally go first. <laughs> um, I mean, we've not... I don't think Derby have had, got a bad record at, at Stoke, to be perfectly honest with you, over over the last few years. I can't picture in my mind too many defeats for Derby. Um, so, uh, we've got... where we so Obviously, you played last night. We played tonight uh, against Brentford. That could probably be an absolute mood killer for the weekend, dependent on how that result goes. So I'm, I'm, I don't really know. Uh, <laughs> actually, I said I'm going to go first, and I can't really. I don't really know. Um, Derby's away form seems to be much better than anything at the moment, um, and obviously we are starting to just creep in. But one, one thing I would say is our, our lucky pink kit. We we won't be playing in that on Saturday, of course. So we'll be. Uh, and it's the only kit, the, the pink kit's the only kit we've won in so far this season, Chris. So I can't, I can't, I can't guarantee that we're going to, we're going to get a result. But with everything that you said about Stokes injury worries and things like that, and Derby just starting to tick a little bit, um, a lot will depend on confidence from after the, tonight's result, I think. But uh, I'll go 1-1. One, one. Corey? Positive is a one-one. Um, yeah, I think that uh, I think that Darby. We've you've said this for many weeks, Jason, Chris. The J- J- Darby will always provide you with an opportunity to score. <laughs> Probably not me, you or Jason, because we won't be on the field. But they'll provide the team that they're playing against an opportunity to score, and I think that they will provide a chance. I think um, you know the players that Stoke have. I think they can cause problems. James McLean is is one of those um, danger men that I see could really stand out. But like you say, if the defense is, you know. A mishmash of players. I could definitely see a draw. I think it'll be one-one as well. Chris, oh, I'm gonna go extremely positive and say it's gonna be a glorious nil-nil. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it will be a case of uh, we we lost last night, and so training will have refocused on defensive stuff. And I think that it will be a case of they will just concentrate on making sure we're solid, and we don't we don't get too many chances. We're quite good at putting stuff away when we we do uh but we don't we're not very good at creating so i just think it's going to be a very slow and just not much is going to happen i think it's nil nil well that's three draws across the board um and that pretty much means we're we're out of time so uh corey it's down to you to uh, one of the other superstitions that we've got going at the minute where corey ends the podcast because we've not been beat since he started doing it so (laughs) corey off you go Chris, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Chris, Chris, you're the uh, wizard of dribble. Dribble, not the wizard of dribble. That's Stanley Matthews. The yep. wizard of dribble. We appreciate it. We're glad that we were able to, to, to ponder the potters um, with you this <laughs> evening. Thanks for taking the time. Um, that's all we've got time for today, guys, but really appreciate it. 
Um, thanks for listening. Get on touch in the socials. And until next time, up the Rams. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast. Please remember to get in touch on the socials. On Twitter, we are at Rams Review one Our Facebook is Rams Review Podcast. Or you could drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. Until next time, thank you very much and up the Rams.